Welcome to We Are DB. I am Brenton, and I'm joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 48 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Grave of the Fireflies. Released in 1988, Grave of the Fireflies is a Japanese animated war drama set in Kobe, Japan, during the last few months of World War II, from June to September of 1945. Based on the semi-autobiographical short story of the same name by Akiyuki Nosaka from 1967, the film is written for the screen and directed by Iseo Takahata. So, wow, this movie. I was not expecting this. I didn't know when I started to watch it that this was a Studio Ghibli movie. Because I thought I'd seen or at least heard of all of the great Studio Ghibli movies. Hmm. This is definitely one that no one talks about. Uh, This came out in 1988, straight after Castle in the Sky. It was the same year as My Neighbor Totoro and uh, just before Kiki's Delivery Service. All of those movies I've either seen or at least heard of, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm very surprised at this one. I've never heard of Grave of the Fireflies, and I loved it. It was very different than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be much more of a war movie, but it was much more of a kind of survival story in the midst of the war. It was much more of a personal story. The war was basically just a backdrop. Exactly. Yeah. I would like to preface this episode by saying I hope you're open to spoilers for this one. Just because I did want to talk about what it's based on, and that might have some couple of spoilers in it. We're not going to go uh, into the details or anything of it yet, but um, some of the main story beats that it hits, just be prepared for that. Um, But I will say that like this is the third movie that Gilby ever made. And they've made 21 since the 80s. And this is number three. And I just, like, The Castle in the Sky was their second movie, and that's, like, a great as well. Hmm. They certainly know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Like, I honestly think that Ghibli movies are just poetry. They so are. Like, everything about it is just meticulously done. If we strip away the IMDb top list, as rated by users, to just the Mm -hmm. animated movies... Number one would be Spirited Away, which we had Miranda Sanchez of IGN on that episode. It was very good. Uh, And then number two would be The Lion King, which we had my sister Jessica on because she was debating that it's very overrated. Um, And then you've got Grave of the Fireflies. So this is the third animated movie on the list. And then you've got WALL-E, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Princess Mononoke. That's the top six. So even in that, you've got three Studio Ghibli a Disney Pixar, a Disney classic animation, I guess, and a Sony Pictures superhero movie, I guess. And I kind of agree with all of that. Like, maybe throw in uh, Finding Nemo from Pixar, because I think that's, like, perfect. But, like, I don't disagree with that at all. You get Spirit Away, Lion King, Grave of Fireflies, WALL-E, Into the Spider-Verse, and Princess Mononoke. That's, like, a great list. Um, I'm not really sure what my point was with that, but I just, uh, I completely agree with that. I think that... 
Grave of the Fireflies should sit higher on that list of six than it does. So you think this is better than either Spirited Away or Lion King? I think it's better than The Lion King. Okay. I definitely think it's more important. Yeah. Spirited Away sits higher simply because it's making use of the fact that it's animation more. Yeah. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, they remade this Grave of the Fireflies in live action in like 2005 for a Mm. live action TV movie in Japan. And I think they redid it again in like 2008. So it could be done in live action is your point. While Spirited Away, not really. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I definitely think this is the most important animated movie I've ever seen. Kind of in the similar way of like looking at Schindler's List, not just from the subject matter, but in the sense that that's an important movie. It Mm. might not be my favorite and it's kind of a hard watch, but everyone should watch it at least once. Mm. I was just very surprised that I hadn't heard of this and I thought it was outstanding. Now let's get into why. Well, we spoke about on uh, that episode on Spirited Away when we were talking about anime. I think Japanese animation, they animate things in a different way to Western animation in the sense that they usually put time into things that other animators won't be bothered to do. So it feels so real just watching this animation. And more detailed. Yeah, because yeah. it's detailed as hell. Yeah, they'll put sound effects for even the smallest little things. Well, and something I noticed yesterday that I kind of realized is present in most of the anime that I've seen, which isn't a ton, um, but they draw at a slower frame rate, it Mm, seems to me. Yeah. So the movements are more detailed. You're getting to see more of the unfolding of the movements, which I kind of appreciate because you get, just like I said, you get to see more detail more time is put into the unfolding of a scene than you would even probably get in live action. So it's kind mm. of, it's it's a nice pace to watch. It's very comfortable to watch. It usually lingers on things that you normally wouldn't see animation lingering on. Mm. Miranda actually made a very interesting point in that episode where she said, Western animation kind of misses an opportunity by aiming their subject matter at kids making everything either humorous or crude. Mm -hmm. And you're missing the point of what you can possibly do with animation. You're missing the possibilities. And Ghibli is really stretching the possibilities. Mm. Which I think was a very good point. Because unless it's like a short indie film, you don't usually see Western animation that covers topics that this is trying to cover. Well, and thinking of the two Studio Ghibli movies that I've seen, so Spirited Away and Grave of the Fireflies. Neither of those were kids' movies. No, and apparently Princess Mononoke, which is the next one, uh, is definitely not as well. Apparently it's very gruesome. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, But the next one after that is My Day Totoro, which I think is more aimed at children. And they sold more toys and stuff, which is probably why it's more popular. Mm. We have done a lot of war movies on this podcast. Um, like, way more than I would have ever expected. Yeah, like, it's almost as if the topic of war just, like, lends itself to great movies or... I don't know, it's just, it's a soft spot for people in, in the film industry. I think it's because there's better stories 
really good stories come out of it. Well, you know yeah, I mean? you, it was really pushing humanity to the brink, and it it gets that emotion out of everyone, no matter who you were. Mm. This is the first one that was seen from the Japanese perspective, which was also very unique. I, I love to see that, because I've seen so many war movies that are based in Europe or based from the American side or what have you. There's not many from the Asian side, and I'd like mm. to see more. And generally, when war is told from the victor's perspective, they could easily kind of bend the truths. You don't... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that the Allied forces were dropping air raids on so many Japanese cities for years before they dropped the, the nuclear bombs. Which, honestly, like, it makes sense, but you just, you don't learn about it, it doesn't occur to you. Yeah, I'm not saying that, like, people were trying to hide that information from me. No. I just never studied it, so therefore I didn't know. Everyone knows that they dropped the two bombs, um, and it essentially ended World War II. But I didn't know that they were doing these fire raids. They were basically just dropping these canisters to try and burn down their timber villages. Um, They did that for years from 1943 until the end in 45 uh and i was even looking at the author who wrote the short story his he changed it a little bit but the short story was inspired by his events um instead of the character in the movie his their mum dies from horrific burns in real life it was his dad Mm -hmm. um and he had two sisters who both died of malnutrition in a very similar way that the character does in the movie. Uh, and the, the one of them was about the age that uh, Setsuko is, which is what he was inspired by. So it it seems like it's pretty much heavily inspired, uh, those elements from, from his stuff. Mm. I think this movie shows the horror of war without the gruesomeness of real-life actors and makeup, but it still manages to be graphically impactful and important. And it shows it without having the war being in your face. Yeah. You know, like we said, the war is very much a backdrop. The The impacts of it are front and center, but the war itself is very removed. Even any sort of fighting that you see is air raids. So even that's quite removed, which is... Interesting, because a lot of other movies we've seen, you've got hand-to-hand combat or tanks or you're in the plane with the pilot or, yeah, you know, like this is purely civilian, which I, I honestly don't think I've seen before. Like even the next movie on the list that we cover is Apocalypse Now and the one after that is Dunkirk. So there's just war movies in the top or always. Um, I think this movie has a lot to say about many things, but like particularly the raids and how the Japanese had to live with them and deal with the aftermath. But mostly what it's saying is telling the story of Setsuko even more than Seita and loss. Yeah. Because I think at the heart of it, this movie is is showing how they're trying to keep Setsuko's innocence, but she has to grow up so fast. Because that's why he was trying to not tell her what happened to her mum. And you see that in a lot of the scenes where she's left on her own a lot Mm -hmm. in this movie. And she has to grow up. And she's little. Yeah. And the movie lingers on those little elements that 
only children will do, you know, that she's like singing with the crab and she's playing with, she was playing like rock, paper, scissors in the water with herself, you know, it Mm -hmm. lingers on those things to try and show. That she was just a little kid. Yeah, this, it was, it's basically this death of innocence and loss Mm. is what I think it is at the heart of it. Scrap Mm. everything else away and all the backdrop and all the characters. That's essentially what this movie's trying to show you. Yeah. And what the Japanese people really went through. That's deep. I hate to it say was. that because it sounds so cliche, but it is. Yeah. I I quite liked it also. What did I say? I can like something without enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've been having a hard time with a lot of movies lately because I'm hormonal and everything. Um, yeah, so I cry at, like, the drop of a hat. Um, so I've been having a hard time with some of the ones that we've been watching lately. And this one was just another one in particular because it really does do a very good job of evoking those emotions in you because it's showing how innocent she is. It does a good job of conveying like she, the way they've animated her, she looks like a little kid, she acts like a little kid, you know? It's very convincing in the way that everything is portrayed. I'm just, I'm always so impressed when animation can still feel so human. Yeah. I think anime is the best of that. Oh, I think it is too. And I think Ghibli does an amazing, amazing job of that too. And impressive because it is pretty minimalist, but it still manages to convey expressions of emotion so clearly for Mm. being somewhat minimalist, you know? Like, the fact that a lot of the shading is done with hatching and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I was quite touched by this movie. It's really stuck with me. Like, I've been thinking about it a lot since I watched it, um, which yeah, is really same. saying something. I think it's become my new favorite Ghibli, um, and it's definitely up there for me for my new favorite animated movies. I really, really loved it. And um, I think my previous favorite from Ghibli was Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. Do you want to talk about your experience? Because you went back and rewatched the opening. Yeah. Because I quite liked the way they did that, where the serviceman throws the can out into the fireflies, and it kind of, it's almost like spirit, you know, like They come to life, Setsuko goes and grabs the can out of the field. It's not really her. I don't know if it's supposed to be a memory or a a vision or what it is. Um, So you're talking about the opening scene? Yeah. No, what I was trying to say is that I really quite liked when the, I guess they're civil servants. I guess they're people cleaning up, I don't know if it's the subway or what it is. Um, Yeah, so it it opens up with this scene. Yeah, um... Seda just sitting there. Then he picks up the can, the serviceman, and he's like, what is this? Because the label's all gone or whatever. And then he throws it out, like he baseball throws it out of wherever they are into a field. And when it lands, all the fireflies come up. And then there's like this like spirit vision. You know what I mean? Of Setsuko runs and picks it up. And then Seta's there and he takes their hand and they walk away. And then the story starts. Like that's how the story starts. Yeah, that's where the title card comes up. So it's like right at the beginning. And I quite like it. It was a bit confusing. And there were a couple sequences like that, like like the scene on the train. 
Yeah, and he, it's always red. Like, the, that character yeah. is always a red, dark red. Uh, but I liked it, though, because even though, even though it was a bit confusing, it wasn't totally confusing, and that color change continuity was helpful in kind of cueing you in as the audience that that's something different. But yeah, I quite liked that memory sort of aspect of it. Well, I completely forgot about that opening when I was watching it. It didn't stick with me at all, except for the part where he says, on the 21st of September 1945, that's the night I died. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so you're telling me this from the very beginning. It's the opening line. That's your mm. preface. Let's go into the movie. So I had that lingering over me the entire movie, which I think was done intentionally, obviously. Yeah, because it's not even about that. No, it's just letting you know, after all of this struggle that you're about to watch, I'm also going to die. Yeah. That's all it's doing, and I think that's very powerful. Yeah. Rather than just telling me at the end of the movie that that's how you die, it shows you the last five minutes of the movie first, linearly. Yeah. Hearing that, like, sitting back at the end of it all, I'm like, that was a very sad movie. Oh, it yeah. was. It's it's heartbreaking, actually, and that's kind of the point. Like, yeah. Um, I'm not at all saying that everything needs to have happy endings and sunshine and rainbows, but this one, this is probably one of the most sad movies that we've watched, and probably one of the most sad movies I have ever watched. Yeah, I completely agree, especially this subject matter. Mm. No, but I, I didn't remember that at all with the fireflies and the canister and everything. You seem to remember it better than me. So when the movie was finished, I was even wondering, what was with the red version of themselves? I didn't understand that because they were watching them throughout the whole story. Um, so I went back. As soon as I finished it, I restarted it and I rewatched that first. And I was like, wow. Because if you rewatch that, you realize that Seta had Setsuko's ashes in that can. He was holding on to it. That was his sister. So when the guy throws that canister out into the fireflies, the spirit of Setsuko comes out of the can. And the can, you can even see, removes all its rust and you can see the label come back. Yeah. Um, And that's when Setsuko's spirit is reunited with her. And he's like, I'm here now. Oh, wow. And yeah, because that was the moment that he died. Well, because it opens, doesn't it? It falls open. Yeah. Yeah. And some stuff falls out of it. Yeah. yeah, and the fireflies rise from there. So it was really just, it's so beautiful. That is a gorgeous, gorgeous metaphor, isn't it? It is. And I didn't realize uh, until I rewatched it that his last words that he says before he dies is Setsuko. Mm-hmm. So she was on his mind the entire time. It was his last possessions that he had, was that can. So whenever you do see them... It's the ghosts of them, like, gone back in the past for two months or so and just watching them. That's really interesting because I remember thinking on the train, I remember thinking, is it showing is showing him juxtaposed, but is it his first trip there to drop her off? Because he drops her off the ant, then has to come back to the city and gets his yeah. stuff and then goes back. So I was like, are they showing them together? Why are they doing that? So it is them as spirits isn't it that red color yeah and every time the red version of themselves is just watching just just looking at them it's really powerful and i don't think there's anything in here 
that's wasted. Like, everything is done for a reason, and it's brilliant. And I love how subtle it is. Yeah, it's not just like, look at this! Can I just say, if this was American, there would be a big montage at the end explaining all of that and breaking well, it down with narration running over it. That's Ugh. the thing, right? And then, like, sometimes you don't need it shoved in your face, you know? Yeah. You can appreciate it so much more because it was so subtle. I think this is absolutely a masterpiece. That oh, first I think so. five minutes, me rewatching it, I had my jaw dropped. I'm like, holy shit, that's what that means? Because these characters meant nothing to me when I first watched it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is a Setsuko? I don't know what that is. Um, mm-hmm. Especially with the symbolism with the canister. Because after that scene, the ghosts are riding on the train alone. And they've got a full canister of candies or whatever they're eating. And they're just sitting there eating them. Um... Mm-hmm. And he looks outside the window and it looks like a bomb gets dropped then, which doesn't really make sense with the timeline. It might just be a visual effect. Uh, Essentially, that's when the movie starts. It goes back three months or so to when they were happy and healthy. I forgot about that bit too with the explosion. Yeah, so that was meant to be uh, if he died on the 21st of September, but the war was over. Well, Japan signed the peace treaty on the 2nd of September and the the bombs that we're thinking of were dropped in uh, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in August, like the sixth and the ninth of August. So it wasn't; it didn't line up with the that. If that's what they were trying to show, it could have just been a visual flare that they were trying to show. Well, and yeah, maybe they go back. Maybe they're taking the train back in time, kind of thing. Maybe that's what it is, actually. Yeah. Wow, you actually could be very right there because they're the only ones on the train, and from that mm-hmm. point forward. They're back in time. They've essentially mm-hmm. done some time travel, so maybe it is that. Yeah. That's a very good point, and it could very much be what that is. Huh. Layers, man. Yeah. Love the well-thought-out layers. It really kind of needs a second watch. Yeah. Which we won't be doing for a while because my pregnant self can't handle it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I respect this movie so much. It was beautiful. It was beautifully storyboarded. It was beautifully animated. The music was lovely. I really quite liked even the English voice actors they got. Yeah, because we obviously watched the dubbed ones. Yeah. I often, when I f- the first time I watch a Ghibli movie, I usually put it on the subtitles because I usually find that the voice actors are more genuine, I guess. In Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, consecutive watches after that, I... Put, usually put the English on because I'm like, eh, I've experienced the original. Uh, mm. but for this one, we just chucked on the English dub and it was fine. It was good. I've got to say, I'm quite impressed too because naturally, thinking about this, I was thinking about Spirited Away because they're the only two Ghibli movies I've seen. Um, and I'm quite impressed how well the English dubs line up with the original animation. It's pretty easy to do with animation, yeah. You, I think your yeah. mind fills in the gaps. Like, it might not be synced just right, but you perceive it that way. Yeah. Anyways, another benefit of animation. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, the timeline was non-linear, but it was very well done because there was also memories that they were having of their family together and the time that they were before. But that was very obvious that that was what was happening Mm -hmm. and that's what they were thinking. It was very easy to follow. It was. And they all sort of died sort of in in different ways that affected the Japanese people at the time. I mean, the yeah. dad was in the Navy, the mum was 
killed in one of these fire raids, and the kids died of malnutrition. So these were definitely things that killed the Japanese civilians at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the movie manages to depict all of them without sort of jamming anti-war propaganda down you or whatever. You know what I mean? It could have been done not as tasteful, but I think it was. Honestly, I think the way that that this family was impacted was probably quite typical. Like, the fact that they all died in a different way probably happened a lot. You know, like, stuff like that happened in in London, even. In other parts of the world where it was happening, some people died in the Blitz, or some people died on the front lines, or... It definitely seems like a story that we have seen many times out of Europe. You know, it's a Holocaust story, but in Japan, you know what I mean? Because people had to deal with these things that they never thought they had to. They're trading their goods to just to try and get some rice, you know. It's very much what you saw with uh, Jewish Holocaust sufferers, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. It's just interesting that it's a completely different context with the same conflict on different sides of the war, but they're all, you know, no one really benefited from that. Well, we've said this probably lots, but, like, I'd really like to see a story from the German perspective. Yeah, I'm curious. Not necessarily the Nazi perspective, but the German perspective. Yeah. You know? From the civilians. Yeah. Or the the soldiers. Because even the soldiers weren't really technically Nazis. You know? Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I did like that the movie subtly sort of said that it kind of wants people to have more of a perspective because towards the end there where they're living in that shelter they show the richer family they've got this mansion and these these girls were sort of on the balcony and it's like do you appreciate what you have because just across the river you've got these two people who are dying of malnutrition in this air raid shelter and that was very much contrasted on the on the screen there yeah uh, as to subtly tell you to think about it. Like, the most important possession they had to their name was their rice cooker and their stove. Yeah. And you're talking about how much you love your phonograph. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, Like, even the auntie, who was just a bitch, that if she wasn't yeah. and she was more open arms, those kids probably survived. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she, she essentially killed them. God, yeah. she was such a cow. I, I mean, they I, they did that on purpose, I know that, yeah. but it still really bothered but, me. Again, that probably reflects the mentality of a lot of the Japanese working class at the time. Yeah, I just, I don't see how anyone, especially because she was a mother, how you could look at this little child and have anything but sympathy for them. Yeah. You know? Which is another way that Setsuko had to grow up fast, because people expected her to it just that made me angry more than probably anything else like just she's lost her parents (laughs) like yeah you're supposed to as family like you have an obligation to take care of her well even when she found out that 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 their mum died she's like oh that's a shame you better tell your father like damn yeah i really enjoyed it and i'd highly recommend it i would too you know, Studio Ghibli hasn't actually made a movie in six years. Oh, really? They temporarily, quote-unquote, shut down because the two main founders of the studio, uh, 
one of them retired, which was the director of Spirited Away, and the other one recently passed away, who was the director of this. So they were the two main guys. Um, so the the studio's like, I don't know. So they temporarily shut down and they never opened up again. I'm sure they will. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they've announced new things, but it's interesting that such a big studio, like a big name, I don't know how many people they got working for them or anything, but um, they yeah, they shut down for six years. They've never made a movie since. <sighs> I wonder how big they are in Japan. Like, they've definitely got, like, a cult following in North America and outside of Japan. Um, um, yeah, I imagine they're pretty big. Mm, I don't know. I would maybe hope it, so. Maybe it is considered, like, Pixar of Japan sort of thing in mm. Japan. I wonder if, like, Japanese animators are sort of, like, strangling to get a job at, at Ghibli. Once you've got a Ghibli, you've made it sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I'd be curious. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook and comment on SoundCloud or YouTube. Or support us on Patreon. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.